You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. talking about a storm that comes as a result of you obeying the directive that Jesus gave. What did he say? He said, when the evening came to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And so you get into the boat because Jesus says, let's get into the boat and go on the other side. And because you got in the boat, even though Jesus is in the boat, you got in the boat. And because you got in the boat with Jesus, now you're in a storm and it's the storm of your life. Often, we attribute difficulties in life to misunderstanding God's calling or to blatantly disobeying. But as Pastor Danny describes today, it's possible to hear clearly and listen exactly to God and still find yourself in the middle of a storm. The disciples were on dry land until Jesus told them to step into the boat. When they did, the sea threatened to swallow their vessel. Had they heard Jesus incorrectly? No. Sometimes we just don't understand the plan, but we learn that He's always in control. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 4, as he begins his message, Where is your faith? Mark chapter 4, and we come now to a real-life learning situation. We've been through the parables, at least the ones recorded in Mark's gospel here. In chapter 4, now verse 35, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go to the other side. Now, that's an important statement. Let us go to the other side. This is Jesus saying that. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. We don't know what happened to the other boats, We know what happened to this one that Jesus and the disciples are in. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. As a boater, I really appreciate this story. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, rebuked the wind, that's interesting, and said to the waves, quiet, be still. And the wind died down, and it was completely calm. Please understand, it wasn't, he he spoke these words, and 20 minutes later, things gradually subsided. No. It was immediate. It was miraculous. And he said to his disciples, now this is what you love to hear if you're in the boat, a disciple with Jesus. Here's what you love to hear. Why are you so afraid? And of course, we're thinking humanly, what what are you talking about? Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And you don't want to answer that one. 
<laughs> but it's obvious. And, and what is so fascinating, one of the most fascinating things about the story is now we read they were terrified. They were terrified. After he calmed the storm, they were terrified. And they ask each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, I got to share something personally. Been on the Sea of Galilee where this event took place. Uh, we always have a Bible study on a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, I always give an opportunity at the end of the Bible study for anybody who wants to to step off the boat. Um, nobody's taken me up on it. I've never done it. But I have, I have in this crazy side of me wanted uh, when we're there for, you know, it's usually calm when I've been on it and we're there. And, and I've wanted for this storm to come, like in the Bible, you know, kind of test my faith. Hasn't happened yet. So maybe it'll happen next year. I don't know. But I haven't had any experience like this on the Sea of Galilee where this happened. But I have had some experience on the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm not going to give the details. But twice, twice in my years of boating and fishing and scuba diving uh, on the Gulf of Mexico, twice in these years, I thought, I knew, I, at least I thought it was going to happen. I thought, this is the, the day I'm going to die. And I'm not being dramatic. And the people that were with me, they know. I mean, not, they thought the same thing. Juan was with a captain of a boat. We were with him on one of the many boats he had over the years. And it was a nice boat, some 30-footer, really fast boat. And, and we were going to scuba dive that day. We never got to dive. As soon as we started to get in the water, uh, storms just come together. And, and the short story is, it was such a storm. And there's no way to escape from it. We first started running, you know, in his boat. And we, it, there's, no, there's nowhere to go unless we're going to Mexico. And we didn't have enough gas to get to Mexico. There's no way to go back toward, toward land. And, and the short story is, we're in this boat, and, and waves are crashing over this boat. And he's like, get, get your life vest on. And he's thinking we're going to die too. He's the captain of the boat. And I'm there by him. I figured I'm, I'm Christian. I'm pastor. You know, I'm his pastor. I'll be beside him, you know, and I'm trying to give him encouragement. And he turns to me in the midst of this whole thing. And he says, what should we do? Pastor Danny, what should we do? And you know what I said? I said, you're the captain. That's <laughs> what I said. I said, you're the captain. You're the experienced one. You're the one that went to all the training, you know, and everything. I said, you're the captain. And he just looked at me. And so I did the only thing I knew to do. I prayed. And I'm standing here, and we made it. But I'm telling you what, we thought there's no way we're going we're gonna to survive. We thought we were going to, I thought I was going to see Jesus that day. And I didn't really want to see Jesus that day. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? I'm just being honest. I mean, I wanted to see him, but not like that. <laughs> the second time, uh, four of us were diving, and I'm certainly not going to tell the details of that story. And we came up, and Art, my missions pastor, was with me, and two other staff members. Matter of fact, one of the staff members, it was their first, first dive after getting certified. We came up, and the boat was gone gone. Yeah, I listen, if you're in the Coast Guard, a retired Coast Guard, I've already had all the lectures. I understand. Don't die without somebody in the boat. I understand. I understand that. But we did. <laughs> and we came up and the boat was gone. 
And my first thought, I'm the first one up, everybody else is still down, and I'm the first one up, and, I, and then my first thought, my first thought is, I can't believe this is how I'm going to die. And I'm taking three staff members down with me. Listen, I can appreciate, I can appreciate what's happening here because I know what it feels like to go, I'm going to die. I'm going to drown. I'm going to die. Please understand, this is not a situation where you go, man, I wish I didn't have to go through this. This is not just an undesirable situation in life. This is a life-threatening situation. And they come to Jesus and they say, don't you care that we're going to drown? I prayed like I never prayed before, swimming toward the boat when we finally saw the boat. I finally saw it. It was, oh man, it was bad. And some of the vows I made, I've kept. I mean, I promised God everything. Here we go, oh God, if you'll do it, if you'll, I'll do this. If you just save me, and I'm waiting for him to just miraculously take me out of the water and translate me onto the boat. And that never happened. Never happened. It's kind of like children of Israel when God's reminding them 40 years of wandering, and then he says, you know, your, your, your shoes didn't wear out. And they're going to think, wait a minute, I've had the same shoes on for 40 years. Your clothes didn't wear out. In other words, when they didn't realize it, he was doing something miraculous. And we, when we didn't realize it, he's doing something miraculous. We're all here. It's a life-threatening situation. And they asked the question, who is this? And please, I, I'm going to spend a lot of time on it because for most of us, it's review. But if there's anybody still grappling with the answer to the question, who is this? Let me try to help you. I did a little booklet. On the answer to the question, who is this? And I titled it, Jesus is God. Who is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. In John 10, he said publicly, Jesus did, I and my father are one. And the Jews picked up stones to stone him. They knew what he was saying. Not only was he claiming to be God, he was claiming to be equal with the father. The father. In John chapter 8, Jesus on another occasion said, Abraham was happy to see my day. He saw it and he was glad. They said, you're not yet 50 years old and you've seen Abraham? And then he makes this statement. He makes this statement. Before Abraham was born, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him because they knew what he was saying. He was saying the same thing that Jehovah God said when Moses asked him the question, who shall I say sent me? When they say, who sent you? You tell them. I am. And that's exactly what Jesus said. I am. And they knew what he was saying. Listen, all you got to do is look at his claims. You you may not believe his claims, but don't tell me he didn't say, I'm God. He said it more than once. But what kind of God? Peter and remembering what we call the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus was transfigured before Peter, James, and John. In 2 Peter 1, Peter writes and he says, we beheld his majesty, his majesty. In John 1, John simply says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, our Jehovah's Witness friends change that in their Bible to God with a little g. Not a big G. John 1.14 in their Bible is a little G. 
But wait a minute. Verse 14 says, and the word became flesh. That's the human person. That's Jesus the Christ. When I'm discussing anything, whenever I have uh, talked with Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, I will say, and, and if you've been here, you know this, I, I will say, can I use your Bible? And of course, still, nobody's ever said, no, you can't use my Bible. Of course, you can use my Bible. And I'll turn to verses in Isaiah. And all through this section in Isaiah, this is Jehovah God speaking. And they know that. From the text, this is Jehovah. And I'll read from their Bible. Here's what Jehovah said. Before me, no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. Can you explain that to me? And then they'll go to some other scripture, and then I'll, uh, I'll go to another scripture. And we always lay down the, the, the guidelines in the beginning, equal time. If I take five minutes, I'll give you five minutes. When I take 10 minutes, I'll give you 10 minutes. It's equal opportunity sharing. And that's an important thing, to be fair. Then I'll go to Isaiah 44, 6. He said, I'm the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. I'll say that's interesting because Jesus, to John, in Revelation chapter 1, twice he said, I'm the first and the last. And yet Jehovah says, I'm the first and the last. Apart from me, there is no God. And yet Jesus said, I'm the first and the last. Explain that to me. And then I'll give them time. Sometimes uh, the conversations ends early and, and they'll go away and they'll send somebody else to my house. <laughs> Especially when they find out I'm a pastor, they find out I'm a pastor and then they'll send an elder. And I've had elders come to my house from the Jehovah's Witness church around the corner. Then I'll go to Isaiah 42 verse 8. Uh, Jehovah says, I'll not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. Now, what he means is it's very clear I'm the only one, I, I'm the only one to get praise and worship because I'm the only true God. There's not another God. No, I'm the only one. There are idols, there are false gods. But I say, don't, don't worship false gods. I'm the only true God, worship me. That's what he means by this verse. That's why the first commandment is you shall have no other gods before me because I'm the only God. So it's clear. And you want, to get, you want to get more supporting scripture, there's, there's plenty. Revelation 19, Revelation 22, in both of those chapters, John, uh, the apostle, receiving the revelation of the book of the Revelation, and the angel that's the messenger for God communicating things and communicating with John, twice, because of the glorious nature of this angel, twice, Revelation 19, Revelation 22, John falls on his face to worship the angel. And what does the angel say? Get up. Don't do it. I'm a fellow servant with you. Worship God. And God says clearly, I'm the only one to be worshiped. I don't allow. You know, I got anything to do with it. You don't worship anybody else. I'm the only God. Matthew chapter 2, verse 11, the wise men that came from the great distance to to see the king that's been born, the king of the Jews. We've seen the star, the star that would come out of Jacob. They knew the prophecies of the Old Testament. And when they came to the place where the child was, here's what it says. They offered their gifts and they bowed down and worshiped him. They worshiped him. Disciple, apostle Thomas, not with the others, the first time Jesus appears to them after his resurrection. 
And so they tell Thomas, he's alive. We saw him. Hey, I won't believe, Thomas says, unless I, unless I can put my hand in his side where they pierced him with the spear. Unless I can see the nail prints. And so not long after, Jesus appears and he says to Thomas, Thomas, have at it, dude. Want to put your hand here? Thomas, here are the nail prints. You know what Thomas did? He knelt before him and he said, my Lord and my God. Hebrews 1.6 from the Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah, let all God's angels worship him. And I'll give you one more. And I don't know how you can get any more clear than Romans chapter 9 and verse 5. Romans chapter 9, verse 5, Paul in the context talking about what a blessing it is if you're a Jew, if you're an Israelite. And he says, among other things, verse 5, theirs are the patriarchs. And from them is traced the human ancestry of Christ, who is God over all, forever praised. Amen. So... Hopefully everybody, hopefully everybody would agree, it's clear the answer, who is this? He's God in the flesh. He's the God who said light be and light was. John tells us without him nothing was made. Other verses echo that, confirm that. He's the creator. That's why, that's why when they wake him up from the stern of the boat, don't you care if we drown? And he gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And they obeyed him. Why? Because he created them. This is God, very God, who created everything. That is the guy I want in my boat every time. I got to move on from this, but I love what Matthew Henry says in his commentary about Jesus calming the storm here. And I wish I could think like this. I wish I could write like this. Here's what he says. Listen, winds and waves synchronized in the sublime symphony of a solemn silence. Another commentator said, he calmed the storm and he stirred them up. Think about that. It's a stronger Greek word used after Jesus calmed the storm. They were terrified. But let me tell you how practical that is. Until we come to the point that we fear God more than we fear the circumstances of life, we're not ready to face any circumstance in life. But you get to the place you fear the Lord more than anything else, then you can face any storm. By faith. That's why Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill your body. And after that, there's nothing else they can do. You fear him who can cast soul and body in hell. That's whom you should fear. So here's the first point. Jesus is God. Therefore, Jesus can calm any storm in life. But that brings us to our second focus from the text. While the storm is raging, Jesus is sleeping. And you have to wonder what would have happened if they didn't wake him up. What would have happened? But because they think, they think he doesn't care. He's sleeping. 
They wake him up and they say, they say, don't you care? Don't you care? If you haven't been there, you haven't been a Christian very long. If you haven't been in a situation where you are, you're going, and this is not just an undesirable situation, and then maybe that fits too. I mean, there are a lot of storms, different degrees of storms, but I mean, you're in a situation, you just go, Lord, do you see what I'm going through? And you think, do you care? You don't seem to be doing anything. Now, I must point out, I must point out, what we're talking about here in the message from this real life story in this text, we're not talking about storms that are created because of our stupidity. I've been in those. I've been in those. You haven't? Come on. We're talking about a storm that comes as a result of you obeying the directive that Jesus gave. What did he say? He said, when the evening came to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. And so you get into the boat because Jesus says, let's get into the boat and go on the other side. And because you got in the boat, even though Jesus is in the boat, you got in the boat. And because you got in the boat with Jesus, now you're in a storm and it's the storm of your life. Which brings me to another interesting point. I think there's evidence in the scripture that, that, that makes me believe this, this storm had hellish origins. Why wouldn't Satan with his power want to get not only at Jesus, but at disciples who are obedient and have sacrificed their lives and said, we'll follow you anywhere? You say Satan has that kind of power? Yes. To create storms? Have you forgotten the story of Job? Let me remind you the story of Job. Satan's roaming around. He's like a roaring lion. He's looking for someone to devour. The Lord says to, to, to Satan, there in the book of Job, it's recorded for us. Where have you been? I've been throughout roaming. We know what he's doing, looking for somebody to devour. Now, if you're Job and you knew this was happening, you wouldn't be happy. God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, well, of course, you put, you, but you put a hedge around him. You protected him. You let me at him. I'd love to get at him. And God says, okay, but you can't take his life. And if you read the story, here's what happened. Once God gave permission to Satan and let the hedge open to a degree, here's what it says. Fire fell from heaven. Fire fell from heaven and burned up all of Job's servants. And he was a very rich man. They had a lot of servants. They all died in one day. All of his sheep and all of his livestock were consumed by the fire. That was Satan. You say, Satan can do that? Well, you just read Revelation, for example, chapter 13, verse 13, in what's called the Great Tribulation, yet future, the false prophet will cause fire to come down from heaven, and that'll be a counterfeit sign, miracle, to help deceive the inhabitants of the world. It's satanic. Mysterious, yes, but satanic. And then in the story of Job, all of his children, he had 10 children. They're all in one house having a meal together. And here's what it says. A mighty wind came and hit all four corners of the house. And the house collapsed because of the mighty wind. And all 10 of Job's children died in one day by the sovereign permission of Almighty God, but by the hands of of the enemy. I think there's evidence to suggest this is a 
hellacious storm? Thanks for joining Pastor Danny today as he walks us through the book of Mark. This New Testament gospel book conveys a fast-paced progression of events that occurred during Jesus' ministry. It's almost as if the writer intended to communicate that Jesus was continually forward-thinking toward the cross and his mission and purpose here on earth. In Mark 10.45, it says, Even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. This is the ultimate summary of the book of Mark. Jesus came humbly as a servant to reach the lost. Are you feeling lost today? Or have you been found and are following Jesus fully now? No matter what your answer is, we'd love to hear from you. Our email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Let us know how you heard about the living word and how we can be praying for you. That address again is info at ccfstpete.church. If you're in the St. Petersburg area, come join us and hear from Pastor Danny at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We're holding services each Saturday at 6 p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. You'll find all the information you need on our website, ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope that you'll join us again for our next edition, right here on The Living Word.